I want to tell you about something that's coming up, uh, and we're going to jump into this morning's message. We're going to continue on in the fullness of faith. Tell somebody actually, fullness, fullness of faith. I want you to walk in the fullness of faith God has for you. I want, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, I told you this a couple weeks ago before we left town, and uh, the Holy Spirit challenged me. He said, what would it look like if everyone at Celebration Church lived this, walked in faith, fullness of faith? And, uh, you know, it would be awesome. And, uh, you know, I, we wouldn't have any lack you would have absolute provision. There wouldn't be anything you would fear stepping out. You would just take the risk, step out, because God already said he's got it covered. You know, some of you, I, I, and I told you when we started this, and I, I'm just doing a quick refresher for those that have been out or maybe you're new, uh, but uh, I, I've been dancing between prophetic and teaching and preaching and all that. How many of you are warm this morning? By faith, we're going to get air conditioning working in here. <laughs> it's, uh, they're telling us that it's like 30 weeks or 40 weeks to get parts. I mean, it's just it's unreal. But anyway, so we've started this series on uh, the fullness of faith. And I believe, I just want to say this, I don't know who you are this morning, but the Lord has been stirring in your heart to launch out into new things, new giftings, new territories, new business, new ministry, expansion. And it's, you've been holding back. You've been, all the fears, all the what ifs. Anybody, am I just the only one? I remember, you know, I'll just be honest. When the Lord said I needed to step out into leadership coaching and things like that, I thought this is just for the church. It's going to be something that I do to help church people. I never would have thought that the Lord was going to put his finger on it and expand it to what it's become. But sometimes, and and that happens to be, uh, a gift that the Lord has given me, and I, I'm just sharing from personal experience, maybe to encourage you, that you know sometimes the Lord will give us things that are beyond what our nine to five is. You know, for me, my you know, do you understand what I'm saying? My nine to five, so to speak, and it's it is our life, it's our calling. But my job, my career is ministry. It's my calling, but it's also my career, and and that's what I do. I, I'm a pastor. I'm a full time pastor. And I love it. It's, I love what I do. But the Lord also gives us, uh, he's given me the ability to create wealth and to do things unusual, to do business and, and do things unusual, you know. And so I have, I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but that's what the Lord does. And so I've started, you know, I've helped start a couple of different businesses. I've helped other people start their businesses and do different things in, in relationship to coaching. And I lead, uh, now I, I lead coaches all over the world. Uh, I lead the Assemblies of God coaching network and lead coaches all over the world. And so, you know, the Lord is just, he's put his hand on that. Just, and all I did, the reason I say all that is because it was one step. The Lord said, will you step out and do the, it was a training. It was just doing a, a coach training and, and learning the skill. It was going, you know, back to school in essence and learning and doing something with it. It was one step. And as I began to take one step, put one foot in front of another, God began to open up the doors. And not only has he opened up the doors, but now he's, I mean, it's, it's expanded. I have a team of coaches and things, you know, it's awesome. But I say all of that because the Lord has, there's someone here this morning, the Lord's been stirring it on your heart to step out, to take that first step and do something 
that's unusual. For you, it's beyond what you're comfortable with. But what, it's not about you, you ugly thing. Right? We get stuck on, well, you know, it's all about me, and how can I do this? It's not about you. There are people that you, God has designed a path for you to be on, and when you begin to co-labor with Him, there are people that you're going to run across to encourage and uplift and build up and pour into that you wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise. There are people that I minister to through coaching. I, I coach businessly. I could name the companies, and you'll know them because they're large companies around the world. Matter of fact, I, I can tell you one of them right now. How many of you have ever heard of ACOM? Anybody? It's an international engineering firm all around the world. I coach the vice president of, of finance for ACOM. That, like, I'm not, so I'm not talking like I'm just coaching church. I do church people, but I'm coaching top-level executives doing what I do in leadership coaching. Doors I would never have sitting on a Zoom call with somebody in Dubai, you know, coaching them through their, their business strategy or their life happenings or what's going on in their world. God opens up those doors. As you begin to step out, you'll see the provision that God's already made available for you. So I want to encourage you, as we're, as we're stepping on this journey of fullness of faith, I just, as we get started this morning, I just sense there's someone here this morning, you've just been hesitant in taking that first step. Lord, what if? What if? All things are possible to him that has faith, to him that believes. If you have faith this morning, all, you don't have to make the miracles happen. Just have faith. It's not just belief. It's not just believing that God could make something happen. It's an impartation of the reality of what God has already said. If he's told you to step out, if he's told you to do it, then I guarantee 100% that he's going to make it happen. You just have to take the step of faith. You just have to take the step of faith. All things. Tell somebody next to you, all things. What is it that he's spoken to you? What has he put in your heart to do? I, I wish I was preaching to somebody this morning and Celebration Church. What has he put within your heart to accomplish? He's designed a purpose and a plan that's unique to you, that's nobody else's. It's just between you and him. It's just between you and him. It's nobody else's. And if you begin to take the step of faith, if you begin to step out, walk out, begin to walk out, it's a baby step. You don't have to be an expert. God didn't call you to be an expert. He said, just be obedient with what he's called you to do. He'll handle the rest. He'll handle the rest. Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, the Bible tells us in Romans that the just, the righteous shall live by faith. I don't, not everybody said that, so I want to circle back. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says that the righteous shall live by faith. One more time. I heard this. I heard it over here. I didn't hear it over here. The righteous shall live by faith. 
Ah, y'all sounded good that time. The righteous shall live by faith. Life is <laughs> yeah. Life is at work. The life of God is at work on the inside of you by faith. The element that's working life, the power that's working life in you is faith. The Bible tells us that in Him we live and move and have our being. In Christ I live, I move, I exist because of Him. That power that's at work in me is faith. Faith is the reality of who God is. It's the reality of what He says. It's the reality of the unseen world around us. And that power, the reality of the unseen world around us is what empowers me and enlivens me to live. You know, you come in this morning and if worship is just songs on the screen or singing songs from what the, the people on the platform are doing or giving is just the thing that we do, then, then really you haven't tasted a faith. Because when you taste of faith, then all of a sudden the outflow of all of that becomes worship. All of, all of what God is speaking and saying and doing, you, you have a glimpse of an unseen reality. I, I worship not because somebody's on the platform telling me to sing. I worship because I have faith in an unseen God that He's alive, He's real, He's not some dead Jesus on a cross. He's ruling and reigning the world by all of His power, by all of His word. He's not dying and emaciated. He's alive and well the risen king sitting on his throne that's i have faith i see that it's not it's not abstract it's not some idea that i have it's not religion or dogma it's the reality it's reality for me is it reality for you yeah when it's reality for you you worship when 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 you see that god he, he's in charge of every cent, every dollar in your life. That He's anointed you with the ability to get wealth. That He's given you the job that you have. He's in charge of your career. He's over your finance. When you see that, then all of a sudden it's, it's not, well, should I be giving today or should I not? Or should I really tithe? Should I really give an offering? No, you can't wait to sow into the kingdom of God because faith shows you the spiritual soil all around you. When you get that seed in the ground, it produces a harvest. When you see the lost people around you, you don't have to shy away. You see them and you see through the eyes of faith that they're born again, they're whole, they're, they're redeemed, that God's moving in their life, that greater is He that's on the inside of them. They may not even know it yet. They don't even see what the redemptive work of God is doing in their life. They don't even know that they're being pursued by the lover of their soul. But you do because you have eyes of faith. You see God at work. You see God moving. God put me here just for you. God put me in this place to talk to you today. Not because you're prideful or egotistical. It's all about you. But look what God has done. He's placed you in that person's path so that you can share the love of God with them. You recognize God's at work in their life before they ever do. That's the eyes of faith. So we've, over the past couple of weeks, been talking about the covenant 
of faith, that we're under a covenant of faith, and God has promised that His covenant He will not break. We talked about the laws of faith. If you haven't heard this, these messages, you can go back on our website and find them, or Facebook, but, and I would encourage you to do that. I want to continue on on this covenant of faith, and I want to share with you this morning the covenants that God has made and help us understand this covenant of faith even more that we live under. In the Old Testament, we see multiple covenants that God made. We see the covenant that God made with Noah. When the flood waters rose, how many of you remember this? The flood waters rose and, and God killed all but Noah's family. All of the vegetation, all of, the, of, the, uh, of life was destroyed except for Noah and his family. And when Noah came out of the ark, God made a covenant with Noah. He placed a rainbow in the sky. And in Genesis 9.13, if you flip over there, Genesis chapter 9 and verse 13. My pants are sticking together. It says, I have set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. God made a covenant with humanity at that point that he would no longer destroy humanity by a flood. And he put his rainbow in the sky, a seal over humanity. He put a seal over humanity and said, this is my promise. If you fast forward into the New Covenant, into the New Testament, into the New Covenant, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the, in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with humanity and He put a rainbow in the sky. He, the, the demonstration of His promise, the demonstration of His covenant was made by the rainbow in the sky. Now the demonstration of this covenant is that you and I are sealed by the Holy Ghost. You and I have a, have a promise with the Lord. You and I are under a covenant of faith with Him. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We have a promise ring. We have an engagement ring. We have a promise with God that we are sealed for the day of redemption. The Bible tells us that we know that we are children of God because the Holy Spirit testifies. He tells us. There's nobody that can tell you otherwise. When you know by faith that you're born again, Again, that you're his, you know that you know that you know. Just as sure as the pew that you're sitting on, you know. That's faith. In every area of our life, that's faith. The covenant of God, the covenant of his promise, the covenant of his promise of redemption for you and I means that our faith is alive and active. I don't have a dead faith. Faith is not dead. I don't have a dead faith. I don't have a dogma. Dead faith is religion. I don't have religion. Does anybody with me this morning? I have a live faith. My faith is alive. It's active because it's in a living king and a living person. I have a living Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I have a living, breathing Holy Ghost living on the inside of me who tells me I'm sealed for the day of redemption. He tells me every promise made of 
available to me through the Word of God. He tells me everything, every blessing, every spiritual blessing made available. He takes this Word and He writes it on my heart. We talked about last week. He takes the law of God and writes it on the inside of me. Faith is not abstract. It's living on the inside of you today. It might be the size of a mustard seed, but that mustard seed's enough to move a mountain. You can do more with a mustard seed than a mindful of wishful thinking. You can stare at someone and say, you're born again, you're born again, you're born again, and they're going to live like the devil. You've probably done that with maybe some family members. You're going to be born again. You're going to be, I wish you were born again. You would be much nicer if you were born again. I wish you were born again. And that's going to do nothing. But when faith is active in their life, all of a sudden everything begins to change. When faith is active in your heart, as for me and my household, you're getting born again whether you know it or not. You're part of my household. You didn't even know that you were under a setup by God because you're in my lineage. My children have no option but to be born again. I'm not saying that because I'm going to spank them or whoop them or waterboard them or whatever till they get born again. That's not what I'm saying. They have no option but to be born again. They are in my lineage. They are in my household. That is the plan of God for their life. They are going to be born again. They are born again. I don't even have to worry. They are. Already done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Remember when Zoe got born again, she came downstairs after she prayed with mom and daddy was doing the dishes and she came downstairs. She said, dad, are you born again? You need to pray with me right now. And so I prayed with my three year old, I think it was three years old, prayed with my three year old daughter and got born again. Finally, it finally took, no, I'm joking. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) faith is alive it's active Noah God made a covenant with Noah rainbow in the sky he's made a covenant with you he sealed you with the Holy Spirit you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you changing you speaking to you man that's good stuff you don't have to do this alone you don't have to do this alone. Can you imagine Noah getting off of the ark and everything destroyed and new life is springing up? New plants, new vegetation. And then he's got all of these animals. He's got to deal with all of them. And, you know, they're, how, how, do, how do you manage that? Right? How do, you, how do you deal with all of these animals, get them back onto the earth, and, and get them procreating. You have a family now that you've got to multiply and fill the earth. And all of the, everything is brand new. What do you do with that? Maybe, maybe this morning you're in a season of life where everything's brand new. Maybe you're stepping into a season where everything looks brand new. The scenery's changed. God's called you into a new place. Whether you were willing or not, you're in a new season. You ever been there? Ended up someplace, you're like, I wasn't really expecting this, Lord. This isn't really where I wanted to go. Am I just preaching to myself? Anybody else out there? Sometimes people will do things to you and you think they did it. They did me bad. They hurt me. They offended me. They... 
I am not at Celebration Church this morning. Anybody hear me this morning? That Ah, they did me wrong. No, well, maybe, but it was a divine setup. It was, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but it was a divine setup. God had to get you where he wanted you. And sometimes you get with people who lead you, maybe not in a good place, but the Lord uses it. He's working all things. Somebody say all things. All things for your good and his glory. So sometimes he's got to change up the story. What looks like changing up the story to you has been the plan of God all along. And you get into a season, and Noah's these crazy people that keep on sinning and murdering and doing all this crazy stuff, and the judgment of God's come, and I'm the only one, and now I'm in a whole new season, a whole new place. I mean, you can go, you read the story. I mean, he's he's eating. The earth is different. He's doing the same things. If, how many of you have read the story of Noah? And he gets drunk. He's eating. He's eating berries. He's eating and drinking just like he would any like we do. And he gets drunk. This was a new season. Noah was not an alcoholic. This was a new thing. Wow, this thing, this stuff ferments. He's in a brand new seat. You all think I'm joking. I'm absolutely serious. Go read. And so much so that, you know, his his kids are trying to like. He gets offended. I mean, he gets kind of a nasty story. But it's because it's a whole new season, a whole new place. And he's trying to figure it all out. Figure out the season and what's happening. And God says, I've made a promise. You're in a new season. You're in a new place. You have the promise of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Listen to his voice. He'll lead you. He'll direct you. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and direct you in this new season. Abraham. How many of you remember Abraham? He couldn't have no kids. So he thought, yeah. Sarah said, to the Lord, you don't know Abraham like I know Abraham. We ain't having no children. But what happened? He had children. And the, and the Lord told him that through your seed, the nations of the world would be blessed. The nations would be blessed. That you would have an inheritance for the people. Here's Abraham, absolutely clueless, just knowing that he has a word from God, that he's going to have a son of promise in his old age. And God used him to be the father of many nations, that he would be the leader of the, of the uh, Israelites. He would be the foundation, the cornerstone of the Israelites, that he would be the foundation for our faith. Abraham's faith. You and I are here today worshiping the Lord because this man in his old age who said, I'm going to dare to believe God. He couldn't just look at his wife after the word from the Lord and say, well, we tried that before and it didn't work. You just go back on in the living room. I have a headache. Let's know this isn't going to work. Come on now, don't shout me down, I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> he had to act on the word of God for his life. 
They had to go practice having babies. 90 years old. Now, if you're 90 years old here today, don't get any ideas. Anyway, I'll move on. So God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, through your seed, the nations of the world would be blessed. And he instituted the sign of circumcision. The sign of circumcision became the the outward demonstration. Just like Noah, there was a sign of the rainbow. God instituted circumcision as a means of displaying the set-apart or sanctified nature of His people. In Romans 2, in verse 28, in Romans 2, verse 28, it says, For He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. In other words, there was a, out in the Old Testament, there was an outward display of being sanctified or set apart of circumcision. In the New Testament, God says that it is not a matter of circumcision in the flesh, but circumcision of your heart. Has your heart been circumcised? Has the, has the sinful worldly nature been cut off of your heart? Have you been sanctified and set apart from the world? The, it, the circumcision is this outward display of the covenant that God had with man in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He's sanctifying your heart. He's cutting off. You know, it's not fun to have... No, I'm sure it wasn't fun to be circumcised in those days either. But, I, and, and the priests were responsible for this job. You know, thank God he doesn't say as a requirement to pastors today, you've got to circumcise your people. <laughs> I'm done, Lord. We're checking out. <laughs> Not on my job description. But part of my job description is to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to circumcise your heart. It wasn't comfortable. That was, it was an uncomfortable process. I, just, I don't mean to be gory, but I want to just talk about this for a second. You would be, you know, eight days, the day of circumcision. But as an adult, when this first this sign of the covenant was first implemented, you can imagine the young adults, the adult males... The Lord said we're to circumcise every male. Now, how many men are in here are going to be jumping to have Pastor Zach with the blade and the stone up here ready to... Up close and personal, right? It was an uncomfortable process, not just because it was painful... It, it, was, it was absolutely painful. It was distressing. But it wasn't just uncomfortable because of the pain. It was uncomfortable because of the community. You now had to be close with your community. You couldn't do this by yourself. This wasn't something you could do on your own. Sanctification is not something that happens on an isolated island. Hello. Sanctification happens in community. 
Sanctification happens in community. It happens when you're rubbing shoulders with each other. And the Bible says iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. It happens when you're doing life with people in the church and they say something that offends you or they do something that you don't understand or, or there's something questionable that happens. You're like, how do we handle this? Sanctification happens in community. It's one of the most powerful places and most powerful demonstrations of sanctification being set apart. God said, be holy as I'm holy. He places you and I in the body of Christ and in a, in a local church. Not so that we can you know, build our own kingdoms or build our name or be prideful, all those things. He places you in this body. You are here, part of Celebration Church, because of your spiritual well-being. You are here for your spiritual well-being. This is a place where you are planted, where you serve, where you grow, where you minister, where you edify one another, where you do life together. You're not an island. Well, two people agree. I said, you're not an island. You say, well, you know, I, I hear occasionally people will say, I haven't heard in a while, but occasionally people will say, well, nobody reaches out or talks to me. Uh, you're not an island. Find somebody who's hurting worse than you are and begin to pour into them. I'll tell you, if you look around our church over the next, well, first off, in order to know who's in the church, you got to be in church. So, so, so once a monthers, you won't know, okay? So if you're a once a monther, you won't know this. But if you come on a regular basis, what happens? You begin to see who's here. And I, I can tell you, there are people here who come to church who are hurting worse than any of you are. There, I promise you, there are once a monthers who come who are hurting and broken and need your love, your encouragement. They need you not to be an island. You say, well, I don't have much to offer. You'd be surprised what you have to offer. Again, it's that step of faith. You got all those men in the Old Testament, they had to take a step of faith. They had to, they had to take a step out of their comfort zone and say, I'm going to step forward and be the leader of my household. As the men of our church, hear me. The Lord, thank God he doesn't call us to do this any longer, this practice of public circumcision any longer. But he's calling you to make a public stance. Men of God, hello. He's calling the men of this church to make a public declaration and to lead publicly through faith. And this might be uncomfortable. I might have to cut some things off of my life that I don't like. I might have to be circumcised in my heart. I might have to be vulnerable. I'm gonna have to. I think it's funny that God did this with the men. He didn't look to the women and say, "You got to do something." He looked to the men and said, "Men, you're gonna be circumcised and set apart. This is gonna be a step of faith. You're gonna lead the way for your family." I'm speaking to men in this room today, and I'm telling you by faith, you are going to lead your family. It's time that you stop relying on the church to lead your family. You are going to lead your family. You, come on, somebody, are leading, leading your family by faith. Say, well, I'm not perfect, and I, I say things I shouldn't say, and I do things I shouldn't do. That's the whole point of what I'm saying. 
So you've got to step forward in all of your mess. You've got to step forward in all of your mess and let God do the circumcision of your heart. Let Him do the work in your life. Just step out. You're not, nobody's asking you to be perfect. Nobody's asking you to fix it all, men. Did you hear me? I'm not the Lord, me. We ain't asking for you to step forward to fix it all or to have it all together. To dance right, sing on key, to fix everything. Just step forward. Lead the way. Let God do the circumcision of your heart. Let Him do the work in your heart and life. In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, Abraham had the covenant with God that his seed would be a blessing to the earth. That through him, through his life, the nations of the earth would be blessed. And the Outward demonstration of this was circumcision. In the New Testament, we've been set apart by the Holy Spirit. We've been, the circumcision happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, if you flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, verse 12. It says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision but by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. In other words, you and he's, he's talking to the church of Ephesus. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus, a Gentile church. That's us. You're Gentile. I don't think there's any Jews in here, but we're Gentiles. You're a Gentile. They were the uncircumcised. They, th- that was how they were known by the Jews. The Gentiles were the uncircumcised. They were the sinners. They were the uncircumcised group. And, and what Paul's saying, you remember that you, you were Gentile in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the Jew or the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. You were... When you were of the world, when you were Gentile, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. That's what we've been talking about. The covenant of promise with God started with, you can go all the way back to the garden, but we see it with Noah, we see it in the garden, but the covenant that specifically referenced here is with Abraham, having no hope and without God in the world. You had no hope. You, weren't, you were strangers. You weren't part of this. But now, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off, you who were uncircumcised, have been brought near, not by your own blood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so the work, the blood that's been shed, it's not your own doing. It's not by your own blood. It's by the blood of Christ you've been brought. So circumcision, Jesus became the blood. You and I have been circumcised in our heart. He's cutting off the, the carnality of our hearts, the carnality of the world from our life. Fast forward past Abraham, and then there's the covenant with Moses. Moses was a stammering leader. He wouldn't be in the Harvard Business Review journals and all of that for the best leader. He wouldn't make the top 50 list of the world's greatest leaders, most influential people. He was stammering and couldn't even lead without having someone beside him. 
I know that feeling sometimes. He didn't. He couldn't even get up. He couldn't even speak in front of people. Couldn't even. Couldn't lead an elders meeting without having his brother sit right by by him. Help, help to, to tell to tell them what what I need to say. The Lord is telling. He by earthly standards would have been in today's world a miserable leader, and yet God said, "You're the man." You're the man. I'm calling you. I've chosen you to lead three million people out of slavery. Your life may seem absolutely insignificant. You may feel like you have nothing to offer. And yet God in those moments of insignificance says, you're mine. By faith, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. All Moses had was a burning bush and a staff. All he had was one moment on the backside of a desert where faith was imparted into his heart when God said, I've called you to lead. And he watched God move in his life. All you need is just that one moment where God speaks to you and ignites a fire, not just in a bush, but in your heart, and says, all things are possible. It might just be a small spark, but for Moses, it was exactly what he needed to say, with God, all things are possible. Moses put himself in a position to hear from the Lord. Whether he knew he was or not, that's what happened. And he heard from God, and God met him. And God begins to work through Moses' life. I can't imagine being the leader of three million people, leading them out of Egypt, dealing with the rebellious nature, dealing with there's no food. Where are you going? There's no food. There's no water. All you're, you're, you're leaving with the wealth of Egypt, but that's only going to last you so long. And it doesn't take long before you get out of Egypt for the people to start complaining. You know, it just takes about as far as the Red Sea was. And they get to the Red Sea and all the complaining starts. And God supernaturally delivers it. Stretch your staff. Stretch, stretch my staff out over the water. What are you talking about? How is this staff going to, we got to, they're going to kill us. The Egyptians want us dead. They're going to kill it, and we got to cross. And you watch the waters part. The same God who showed up in the fiery bush is the same God who showed up in the parting of the waters. Well, I suppose, God, if you could show up in a burning bush, you could show up in the waters. And the seas roll back. That's faith. It's just an act. It's just, yeah, I need something. I need a, I need a, I just need a tangible something here. Just so you can see. I'm going to grab a water bottle. It ain't no staff. All I have is a water bottle, Lord. It's okay. Stretch it out. It's all it took. <laughs> Let me see how easy this is. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. To say, I'm going to crucify my flesh and say, flesh, you're just going to be quiet right now. My flesh is screaming, this ain't going to work. It's not going to happen. What is your, your reputation's on the line? What if, what if it doesn't happen? What are the people going to think you? Listen, honey, people think you're crazy already. 
You say you follow Jesus, they think you're crazy already, and it's only getting worse. So stretch out your water bottle, stretch out the staff, and see what happens. See what happens. Then Moses gets him out into the, the wilderness, and God says, I want you to come up on Mount Sinai. And God makes a covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai, and he, the finger of God comes down and begins to write the Ten Commandments on the stone of that mountain. I don't know. I've had some pretty incredible moments with the Lord, but I've never seen the hand of God come down and write on the stone. That would be a pretty earth-shaking moment. No pun intended. It was a pretty earth-shaking moment. The Bible says that the mountain shook and was covered with smoke. The, the fire of God came down on that mountain. And God made a covenant with Moses. And this covenant that he made with the people, the Bible says in Galatians 3 and 21 that that covenant, the law that was written, became the schoolmaster. You know why you go to school? Do you know why you go to school? You, you go to school so you can learn. You got to learn how to read. You got to learn how to write. You got to learn how to do math. You got to learn history. You gotta, so you go to school to learn. The Bible tells us in Galatians that the law, the, the law of Moses, that God gave Moses, became the schoolmaster or the teacher for the people. And so what God was doing is he had called out his people, the Israelites. He'd called them out of slavery and he was making them his own. But they didn't know how to be his own. You remember when you first got born again and you, lo you loved Jesus, you knew he was changing your life, you knew everything was new, you were a new creation, but you had no idea how to live as a Christian. You had no idea. You know, my wife was telling her story a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, she had no idea how to look like a Christian. You know, she thought her idea of Christian was the, was the Catholic nuns. You know, the, and the habit. That was your idea. You know, you just got to, that was the idea of Christianity. You got to be uptight and in a habit. No makeup. Boring. Quiet. Beat people. <laughs> and so the, we have to learn how to be children of God. In the Old Testament, God gave them the law. He wrote his law with his finger. He made a covenant with Moses, wrote it with his own hand, made the covenant, the law with them. In the New Testament, under the new covenant, this covenant of faith with, with God in the New Testament, the Bible says that he's written his law on our hearts. He's written his law on our hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 3, it says, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, a letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with the ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, the tablets of the heart. You are a letter. You, everybody point at yourself. You are a letter of Christ. You are Christ's letter to this earth. The Bible says, you know, if you, let me jump back. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, you are an epistle. You are our epistle written in our hearts. An epistle was a J.B. Cures. 
Anybody? It was what? A letter sent by an apostle. An epistle was a letter sent by an apostle. So when Paul's writing and saying, you are our epistle, you are our letter written by the very hand of Christ. He's writing. He's not writing Moses. He came down and his finger rode into the stone. Today, his hand's coming down and writing in your heart. He's writing in your heart. So the covenant of God with Moses and the new covenant to us is he's written in our hearts. Nothing, you know, every once in a while people will say things like, well, God said, and it contradicts the word. God will never contradict his word. If, he's, if God is, if the hand, if the finger of God is writing in your heart, it will be the, it will be the word of God. It won't be your, how do you know the difference? It won't be wishful thinking or good ideas. It'll be his word. He'll always illuminate his word. If he's telling you to step out and do something in ministry or, or start a business, so I believe that there's entrepreneurs in the room that God wants to start new businesses, new creativity, new ideas, new streams of income. I, just divert, I hear the word diverse streams of income, all of those things. If, if he's going to do that, and he is, he's doing it. But if he's, he's going to give you his word. You're not going to be stepping out on, on nothing. You're not going to step out on wishful thinking or a good idea. You're going to step out on His Word. You're going to step out on faith. And when you step out on faith, that Word, the reality of the unseen, it's as sure to you as, as the air that you're breathing. It's just, it's just going to be that natural, that sure as you begin to step out. Just like stretching out the water bottle. Once you get past your, your selfish mental block, self-centered, all that great stuff, and you stretch out, right? And you do it, you'll see God work. And then from Moses, we go to David. And God made a covenant with David. God told David, He said, I want you to build, I want you to build a temple. You have to realize up until this point, the, the, the tabernacle was mobile. Been, it would followed the Israelites everywhere they went. And now God said, I want you to build a stationary building, a temple. I want you to build a temple that's going to be consecrated to me. It's going to be set apart to me. But here's the deal. Because of your sin, you're not actually going to build it. Your son's going to build it. But what I'm doing this, you see, you think that you messed it up and you blew it, but really the whole intention of this is I'm demonstrating my covenant. My covenant with you is that you're not just building a temple, but it is a, it's an outward display that there's coming a day where the one who sits on the throne in that temple, he's going to step in and he's going to be an eternal king. And so, so I'm asking you to build a, temp, a temple and prepare the, the process, prepare the supplies for your son. Because just, 
Just as I've prepared the way for my son, my son's coming. There's, there's a day coming. It was a type and shadow by David handing off to his son Solomon the building of the temple. It was just a, it was again another type and shadow of the father's work with his own son. Saying there's coming a day where my son's coming. And he's building not a temple made by hands. He's building a temple in the hearts and the lives of believers. So in David's covenant, it was a it was a tabra, it was a temple, it was a it was a building, just like you and I are sitting in. But that building was intended not to be just stone and, and a building. It was a symbol. You know, when you when you come to church, it's not just a building. You know, people talk about all the time, well, you know, the church isn't a building. And that is true. But there's power in having a building. There's a purpose in having a temple. So, so I'm all about, you know, all of these, all of the modern stuff that says we need to be out on the streets where the church was never called to be in the building. Well, that's not entirely true, but, but I understand what they're saying. But the building, the reason that God even started this, go all the way back to David, the reason that this was ever started, the reason we ever started building buildings is because there to be a sign to the world that the King of Kings sits in that, in that place. It was to house, in David's time, it was where the Ark of the Covenant was, it was where the presence was, and there was 24-7 prayer and praise happening in that place. So it was, a, it was a tangible reminder of the covenant that God made with man. You couldn't go in. That is a tangible reminder. When Solomon built the temple, that is a tangible reminder of, of God's promise with mankind. Just as he's done through generation through generation, from the rainbow in the sky to the circumcision of the flesh to the Ten Commandments on the, on the stone tablets to Solomon's temple, they were all visual, outward demonstrations of God's covenant with his believers, with humanity, with us. But now, he's no longer just in a temple. He resides, the Bible says, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you are the temple. There's the, should the building, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I thank God for our building, but I think, I think our buildings... This, this building particularly needs a lot to, to do this. But I think, our, I think our temples, I think our buildings ought to inspire people and show them, hey, that is the house of God. If people are coming in and our toilets ain't working and our air conditioning ain't working and the, and the, I'm just speaking truth this morning. You got stains on the carpet, holes in the walls, the bus ain't running. That ain't very inspirational. Is God in that house? Because if God's there, shouldn't, shouldn't we, we preach, right, that He shall meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Am I just talking to myself this morning? Anybody out here this morning? So when people walk in our building, we ought to do things with excellence. 
I'm not talking about being prideful and arrogant. Y'all know this by now. I'm talking about we need to do things to the best of our abilities. Excellence. Excellence is doing things to the best of your ability to worship God. If you are a craftsman and the best of your ability, you might be here this morning, the best of your ability is that you're a craftsman. Then you need to use that talent in the house of the Lord so that everything is working and functional in the house of God. That's how it's designed. All the way back, go all the way. I don't have time to go all the way back and read all the scriptures back with David and Solomon's temple, but that's how it worked. If you were a craftsman, God anointed craftsmen to work in the house of God. If you're a, if maybe you're a, a cleaner, then clean the house of the Lord. This thing gets dirty. People in and out every day, all week. Yeah, this place gets dirty. Help clean. If you're administrative, you got gifts of helps. Wherever, whatever God's gifted you with, engage in the house of the Lord. Use that gift. God has anointed you with that gift for building His temple. And if, if you aren't using your part, how can the church ever be inspirational to the world around us? Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. How can the church be inspirational to the world around us? The church... People in the world don't understand the presence of God. And I just, I'm just going to be very real with you this morning. I don't, ever, I don't preach messages like this often, so I'm going to preach it this morning so you can get it. You'll get your, you'll get your yearly dose of this, and we'll say hallelujah, and we'll move on. But I, but I want you to understand this. The world doesn't understand. When they drive by the building, when they come in, they don't, they're not, we talk about the presence of the Lord and the cloud of His glory and the joy of the Lord and all those things. The world doesn't understand that. They're not going to look at this building and say, oh, it's full of joy. I feel the presence of the Lord. I mean, they might, and we, and we want them to, yes. And I believe that when people come on the property, they do. I, but that's not what they're seeing. What inspires them, if you go and you look at the temple of Solomon, what inspires them is the gold and the silver. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. What inspires people is not, is not the things that we think about. When they say, God's in that house, they see a house of provision, not a house of lack. They see in the middle of, of COVID, in the middle of stress and, and chaos, a house that is providing for a community. Come on, don't shout me down. I'm, I'm, that's what they, they're looking when they come in the door, does it smell funky? Or is it clean? Are the bathrooms clean? Or do you walk in and turn around and walk out and say, I'll go down the road to McDonald's because I ain't going in that bathroom. When they walk in to, the, to worship, do they... Why would people sing to this? This sounds horrible. I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. You mean God's in all of that? that? If it sounds like noise, why would God be in that? Are you all with me this morning? See, God doesn't have a problem with money. He owns it all. You have a problem with money. You have a problem with what I'm saying. Not God. God says, I want my house taken care of. And guess what? He ain't going to do that 
Through the juvenile detention center. I like the juvenile detention center. But they ain't paying our bills. They ain't fixing the roof that's falling. They're not fixing the air conditioners that ain't working. Right? Who's doing that? Well, I heard three of you. Hallelujah. That's a start. If two or three of you agree together and in my name, I'm in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's mine. I got enough for a miracle. Right? I'm just telling you the truth this morning. That's what God... So inspiration. So, that's, so God created the, the temple, the buildings are not... And I get, again, what modern folks are saying is we don't want to get stuck in the church, that we have to outreach, we have to minister, we have to go out into the community, and we do that. This church does that. Y'all are great at that. And, and I love that, that we're in the community in all sorts of ways, and I love that. And that's what people are saying is for, for so long that people have been bound up inside the four walls of the church and don't go out. We don't do that. I don't know what that's about. But the building itself, and how we care for what God's given us ought to reflect this is a house of God. This is the house of God. We care for his building. We care for his temple. And let me just take this a little step further. How you care for the physical is always a sign of how you care for the spiritual. It's true. And, I, and please don't get me wrong, I know we, we have some great people, and I just, I'll say that. We have great people who come in and take care of the house. Uh, we had a group of men up on the, on the roof a couple weeks ago painting and fixing things, and thank you, Jesus, it's not going to leak in the lobby anymore. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise the Lord for that. <laughs> you know, when you have a building that's 50, 60, 70, anybody that's 50, 60, 70 years old in here? You got to go to the mechanic after, every once in a while, right? <laughs> In the new covenant, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the new covenant, he's written his word on our heart. In the new covenant, he circumcises our heart. In the new covenant, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the outward sign, the outward demonstration, because all throughout the Old Testament, God has an outward display of the covenant that he makes with humanity. You want to know what the outward covenant is? The outward sign of the covenant in the New Testament? It's found in Matthew 26. You flip over to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 26, and it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In the New Testament, Jesus goes to the cross. He resurrects for you and I. And the outward display of this covenant that we have with Him is communion. 
It's the Lord's Supper. We take communion together. It's not just a religious act. It's supernatural. Just as the supernatural sign of the rainbow in the sky, just as the supernatural work of circumcision to set apart, I mean, just something so simple, yet God used it supernaturally. The writing of the Ten Commandments on the stone tablet, supernatural. Just as all of those outward signs were supernatural works of the Lord, so is the communion, juice, and cracker. It's a demonstration. It's a demonstration of the covenant that God's made with you and I. So when we receive communion together, it's not just, a, it's not just something we do haphazardly. It's a demonstration of the covenant that we have with God. And our response to all of it, the only response that you can have when faith is illuminated, the only, there's, only one, there's only one response to faith. There's only one response when you see the sign, the seal of His rainbow, the seal of the Holy Spirit. There's only one response when you see the hand of God come down and write on the tablet of your heart. There's only one response when you see God come and circumcise your heart and transform who you are. There's there's only one response when you see that God has made you a tabernacle, a temple of the Holy Spirit. There's only one response, and it's worship. There's only one response, and it's worship. It's not, you see, anything other than worship becomes of your own effort, your own striving, your own works. We step out so many times as believers, we step out of the life of worship into I've got to work. I've got to make it happen. I've got to do this. I've got to... That's not worship. Worship is the surrendered heart before the Lord. When you see Him in all of His splendor, you see Him in all of His glory, healing is an act of worship. Heal, you receive healing because you worship. Saying, Lord, I need you. It's, it's an act of worship. I'm absolutely dependent upon you. You are my healer. You, re- you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's an act of worship. Lord, I, w- I need you. I worship you. Yep. Prayer language, your heavenly language. It's a, it's a language of worship, a language of prayer and communication with the Lord. All of it. How you live your life in Christ. It's an act of worship. Evangelism is an act of worship. Everything you and I do as believers Empowered by faith is a response of worship. Faith comes, worship happens. Faith comes, worship happens. I'll wrap this up. The worship team, y'all come back, but let me just give you a just give you a practical example here. The woman with the issue of blood. She heard about Jesus. She said within herself, if I could just get a hold of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. She recognized his authority. She was a, that was a worship. It was a, that statement was a statement of worship in her heart. It wasn't just a, it, the byproduct of faith she heard, but the byproduct of that faith was a worship of who he was. 
She saw his authority. She saw his power over sickness. She didn't even fully understand. You know, many times people who get healed don't even understand the lordship of Christ, but they see authority. They see power. And just as a simple act of worship, Lord, I, I, if I can just get a hold, there's authority, there's power, and they get healed. Act of worship. You know what's interesting about this while the worship team is getting set up? You know what's interesting about this? Heather mentioned this a couple Wednesday nights ago, my message on the Hebrew words for praise. I did a series on, on worship, and part of it was unpacking Hebrew words for praise. I'll, I'll have to preach that again. Understanding the Selah and the, and the, the praise. Every, every Hebrew word just say this every Hebrew word for praise when we worship God the response of faith worship when we worship every word in Hebrew for that has a physical demonstration isn't it interesting isn't it interesting that God says I'm going to give you an outward display of my love and as you worship me, there's going to be an outward display of your love. This isn't just intangibles or dogma. There's going to be an outward display. The effect, the effect of faith is going to cause you to respond. The love of God compelled him to put a rainbow in the sky. The love of God compelled him to write his law in your heart and worship when we respond there's an outward display there's actually if you go through I, I won't take the time to do this I don't, I'm still not all through my notes from week one when we started by the way so I'm not going to take the time to do this but if, if you go through all of the Hebrew for praise each one corresponds the outward display of a praise corresponds to something that God does in his covenant outwardly so just as he responds outwardly for us our praise there's an outward response for everything he does let me let me give you an example so for um, In Hebrew, um, I don't know which one I, I'm trying to think of which one I want to give you. Let's do let's do Zamar. So in Hebrew, when Zamar worship God with the procession or the choir, it's actually used in Hebrew. It's actually used to denote worship for things yet to come. So you worship in a procession from where you are to where you're going, singing in, in vocal, singing out praise as a choir, zamaring from where you were to where you are. So there's a physical act, there's a physical, tangible, outward act of a processional of walking in as you praise, as you sing, that corresponds 
to God saying, I'm bringing you out of the land of Egypt, his covenant with Moses. I'm bringing you out of where you were and I'm bringing you into the promised land. So the Hebrew for Zamar, I'm bringing you out of and into. You're proceeding from towards something and you're worshiping God in the middle of it. So there's all, that's just one example. There's a, they all have a physical, tangible response. So if you're, if you're here this morning, I'll just challenge you with this. One, if you're believing God for something, you need to do communion in your home. If you're sick or need breakthrough or provision, take communion. It is, it is the tangible covenant demonstration of the covenant that you have with God. So take communion, number one. No, you do not have to have Pastor Zach, Pastor Heather, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Ann. We do not have to be there to administer communion. Take communion. You are a king and priest to God. Take communion. Get yourself some grape juice and a little wafer. There you go. Okay. Number one. Number two, if you're moving out of something, how many of you are moving out of something into something? God's bringing you out of something from your past into something new. Let me say, just wave at me. So you need to zamar. You need to do some zamaring in your home, at church. When you come, when you come into church to worship, I, some of you just need to get a little free and worship. Just come down to the front and just zamar yourself. Jesus, I thank you that you're moving me out of that. I'm no longer enslaved to that. I'm moving out. Thank you, Jesus, into my promised land. I'm, I'm being brought into something new in a new season. I'm hearing your voice. I'm being led by your direction. Thank you, Lord. And just Zamar. And sing out. Don't just declare. You can declare, but then sing out. Sing out. Find yourself a song. Who is this King of glory? Lord, strong and mighty. Open up your gates. I'm walking into a new season. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, for the King of glory is coming in. Make room for the King. He's. <laughs> or you could, if you're Zamaring, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they were doing, throwing out the palm branch. Zamaring, you just throw out the, Hosanna. Jesus was in the triumphant procession. He was going from Bethany to the cross. Doesn't sound like a triumphant procession to me, but he was going from the dead man that was raised to raising the rest of us. It was a triumphant procession. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You don't even have to be a great singer. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he. What are you saying? Who? God save us. Hosanna, God save us. So do some zamaring. I won't take the time to give you the other six. You'll have to come back for that sermon series. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. You know what's so funny? I gotta tell you all something. You'll find this funny, find this humorous. I have this little, I have this device up here that shows me the notes and all the what, what y'all are seeing. I see it up here on the podium. It's really nice. It also has a little clock on it. And, and that's how I know what time it is because there's a little clock. I, you notice I haven't been watching my watch because I have a, I have a watch. Yeah, you can come on down. 
You have a, you have a, you have a, my clock has been on 1119 all service. I've been thinking it's 1119 this whole service. Okay, so if you need to zamar your way out of some things, come on down. We're going to pray for you. If you need to zamar, some of y'all lifted your hands. That's what we're going to do. We're going to just, just help, help us out here. Come on down.